Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Uh, Where do we pick up from? Hi, Uh, everyone. You're listening to the Sinner and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Rise and shine, jerks. It's football time. Send your wife to brunch, ship the kids off to grandma's, and tell your girlfriend you're busy. He loves his wife, and he takes care of his kids, and he's got a good life. The Sinner and the Saint are here to get you ready for the weekend's gridiron action. We're going to get you all set up with everything you need to know about what's going on in college football this Saturday. Frostbrood Coors Light presents the Sinner and the Saint tailgate show with gluten-free former Beavers fullback Will Darkins. Here's your host and junior varsity legend, Luke Anderson on 1080 The Fan. It's just an unfortunate side effect of beer plus football plus just being an idiot. Football! Hey, happy Saturday! There is no college football today, though. Thank goodness we got the NFL. Boom! The playoffs are here, Will Darkens. Uh, uh, North Dakota State. Uh, do they play today, or are they playing? I thought they were playing. They play today? Dang it. Screwed that up. That's not real college football, though. Not, not FBS. That's for real college football. Uh, they're going for their 14th national championship. That's crazy. Is it? Would it matter more if it was D1? Yeah, probably. Yeah, name another, name another national champion from the FCS. Almost waters it down. Name another national champion from the FCS. Linfield, maybe. Mm, I think they're NAIA. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll tell you another one. James Madison, they're on a 26-game win streak. They're taking on the Bison. Get excited for that game. I didn't know when it was played, but I know a little bit about it. Yeah, I just saw that they were warming up on ESPN, and that's what made me think about it. Well, there you go. That's how much I've paid attention to it this Uh, week. Eastern Washington won uh, not too many years ago. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. There's your little, there's your FCS uh, moment from the center. Hot FCS news. You're very welcome. It's a college football Saturday, so we're leading with college football because that's what we do is your tailgate show. You're welcome, Portland. If you'd like to participate in our little program, you can comment uh, on what we say and what you think about what we say and what you think about things we don't say. You can do all of that through the Bridgeport Beers text line. That is 55305. Or you can use Twitter. Are you familiar with Twitter? I'm familiar with it, and we actually have two polls up today. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, now the first one. Whoa, whoa, wait. First, where do you find these polls? Well, at our Twitter handle, which is Center Saint 1080. So go to at Center Saint. Tweeted at 1080 the fan. Oh, there you go. So go to at Center Saint 1080 or at 1080 the fan on 
Twitter, and you can find Whipples. The first one I'm pretty excited about is, in your opinion, what is the greatest sci-fi movie of all time? And this came from a conversation we were having earlier this morning about how I think The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982, is the greatest sci-fi movie of all time. Your choices, Blade Runner, The Thing, Alien, the original Alien, or Battlefield Earth. Ooh, it's going to be a tough one. Do we have votes in yet? <laughs> The Aliens winning, not surprisingly. All right, well, there you go. Uh, the one that they made a bunch of sequels to. Which, by the way, why... Rid Ridley Scott, right? Why is it that Battlefield Earth was even made? What's that? Why Why did they have to make Battlefield... You know it's based off Scientology. Scientology. Yeah, yeah, that's why it was made. That's it? Yeah, and, and so it could ruin Barry Pepper's career. Who's Barry Pepper? Exactly. See the director? No, Barry Pepper is the uh, actor in it, uh, plays the uh, lead non-alien. Because Travolta, remember, plays Travolta's one of, the alien. He's one of the invaders. And Bar Forrest Whitaker is another alien, which I don't mean to say that doesn't seem right for casting. You're going to be racist right now, aren't you? Uh, well, no, that's that's not exactly Aliens can't have different races. But, like, as a casting director, how did Forrest Whitaker walk into the room and then you just go, you know what? I think you're right for this role. You as an alien are right. Your eyes are kind of messed up. I, I think yes. Hmm. I feel like I would have picked somebody else for whatever space alien that thing is in Battlefield Earth. So Barry Pepper uh, is the primary human in that movie, and it pretty much ruined his career. But he was he was a he was a rising star. He was uh, Saving Private Ryan. He was in that. He uh, had a couple other things, and then you're like, oh, this guy's going to be somebody, and then no. And that's Barry why Pepper you, has a great name, by the way. Why you, hey, listen, great name. Take a look at Barry Pepper's, uh, you know, uh, work leading up to Battlefield Earth and coming out of that uh, train wreck. If you came up to me and you go, oh, have you heard uh, Barry Pepper's recent work? I would just assume you meant some folk singer. I'd be oh, like, yeah? oh, Barry Pepper, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did that cover of James Taylor yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, he was all right. See that? I saw him at the Mississippi Studios last weekend. See, if you tell me Barry Pepper, I'm thinking that he plays running back in the SEC and he's going to be on Mel Kuyper's big board. Yeah. Yeah. Barry Pepper? Oh, you mean Julius Pepper's brother? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would think. Barry and Julius. Barry Pepper. Sounds like a college football player that never made it in the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, you have two football games today. Are you... Are you excited? Let me tell you something. I'm excited for one of the games because, as you know, I am now a Rams fan. This is official. So you have you ever jumped on a bandwagon before? Um, not this seriously. I've jumped on bandwagons in the past. I jumped on the Warriors bandwagon in 07, and it wasn't that they were my team. I just started rooting for them a lot in the playoffs because they were beating the Mavericks. And at the time, I didn't really like the Mavericks. Did did How good do you have to be to have a bandwagon, though? It's like beating an eight seed beating a one seed. Is there a bandwagon there? or does well, it have to, to be a bandwagon, I think you have to beat some level of expectations and then have some kind of streak that's going on. I, and that's why I think there's almost not so much of a bandwagon now with the Rams because really they've kind of established themselves in one year as the team to beat in the NFC or at least one of the teams to beat. Like, I know there was a bandwagon probably in the... And this is me trying to um, rationalize not jumping on a bandwagon. I, I know there was a time at which, you know, at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, everybody was like, oh, I'm jumping on that. McVay's great. Goff seems like he's finally getting it. But at this point now, I think everybody's just kind of accepted that the Rams are good. Which, by the way, with Jeff Fisher, the Rams were still really talented. I, I mean, the defense is insane. 
you just added Robert Woods, who just kind of stabilized your receiving core. And Todd Gurley's one of the three best running backs in the league. Okay, but there's still a bandwagon. So I just pulled it up because I'm very curious about this. Just the term in general, bandwagon. 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 Where does that come from? So bandwagon. So for anybody not familiar with uh, Will's new um, bandwagon that he's jumped onto, it is uh, when you jump on the bandwagon means when you begin to support a hobby, idea, person, etc. after they become popular or successful. So that is what you've done. You didn't go, I'm going to be a Rams fan when they were 4-12. and 12. You went, oh, they're 11-5. and five. Now I'm a... So you are officially on the bandwagon. Now, hold on now, a second. I became a Rams fan when Johnny Hecker... No, became a great no, punter. No, that's not true. Which was this year? Yeah, no, he wasn't a great punter last year. He was okay last. Year. What did did he make the Pro Bowl? He did make the Pro Bowl. I think that was a okay. sympathy vote. Oh, okay. So you're on the bandwagon because now the Rams are popular and successful, and now you are supporting them. So you are officially on the bandwagon. It's not a bad thing. People have jumped on bandwagons now, before. Now let me reason it again. Okay. I played with the punter and I played with their backup quarterback. <laughs> I think that gives me enough legitimacy that I can be a fan and then not be on the bandwagon. Well, no, but because before Sean Mannion was still on the team, yes, and Johnny Hecker was still on the team, yes, and he was. You had not declared as a fan. You're on the bandwagon. Just, just, just own it. You're okay. on the bandwagon. I'm on there. So the term bandwagon, would you like care to venture a guess on where that comes from? Uh, I'm going to guess something on Oregon Trail. Something Ooh. there. No. Nope. All right. No. Nope. Uh, P.T. Barnum and the circus, they had the bandwagon. So they'd come in by train and they'd have all the different train cars. Yeah. The one with the band on it was the one that everybody wanted to hang out with because those guys had all the good drugs. Or, or they were playing music and having fun. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see the drugs part. I kind of embellished a little bit on the story that I what read. What year was that? 1855. I think the only hot drug then was opium. Yeah, it was uh, It was from the book called Life of P.T. Barnum, written by himself, which was published in 1855. Yeah, 1855. I think it was the music. Everybody was jacked up with the music or they had some good liquor because drugs-wise, I don't know how available opium was. At that time, at least in that area. I just said the drugs. I didn't say opium. Okay, so what other drugs do you think are around at that time? Uh, I would imagine uh, you could categorize alcohol as a drug, which okay. would probably be fair. And then I would think you could probably get a, your hands on some of that marijuana back I then. I don't think at that time. All right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look into it a little bit more. But there's also another game this weekend. The party is where the bandwagon is. Yeah, there's another game this week. We got a whole two-hour show. We can get to that. So, now that you're officially a Rams fan, do you feel like a jerk if they win the Super Bowl? Uh, wow. Do I feel like a jerk? I don't think they have a great chance of winning the Super Bowl. I think they have a really great chance of making the NFC uh, title game. I will say that. And the one thing I'm really super stoked about today, and you almost kind of ruined it for me, was the fact that they're going to play this playoff game in Los Angeles, first uh -huh. time since 1994, yeah. in a 100,000 capacity stadium at the Coliseum. Now, you're telling me, well, somebody well, said they're going to only let like 60 or 64,000 in. Is that right? So I did some research on this because I told you I, I did I did use a caveat when I told you this before the show. I was talking to a longtime Rams fan. This guy has been a fan. Somebody of, like me. Yes. He's been a fan since the what they started in Los Angeles. So he grew up in Los Angeles. Takes all kinds. Was a fan. He left Los Angeles about the same time the Rams left Los Angeles. They said, Hey, I'll still support him in St. Louis. I left, they left. They, we we all simpatico. All good. 
So he was trying to tell me that the reason that the attendance for the Rams has been lower and they've tarped off sections of the Coliseum, which holds 100,000 people, is because if you have 100,000 people in there, they cannot handle the flow of concessions and restrooms, which yeah. I thought was like, okay, that doesn't make sense because you would have that many people for a college football USC game. game yeah. So then I thought, well, maybe it's because there's no beer sold at college football games, which is a trend that's starting to change. And so if you don't sell beer, then obviously concession lines are as long and presumably restroom lines would not be as long. See, here's where I have a problem with that theory because there's no way in hell the NFL is going to say, oh yeah, I definitely want to cap off ticket sales at 60,000 when I could get 40,000 more people in there. So here's, here's what I did. Uh, you and I went our separate ways and I went, I better check some of this information because listen, I heard it yesterday afternoon and I was like, okay. And I threw that out to you and you were upset by it. And so I went to look for it. I cannot find any verification of that story whatsoever. So here's what I'm guessing. Dude's trying to defend his team going, no, yeah, yeah. The, it's the NFL's fault. No, I just don't think they have the support. Los Angeles is a bizarre place. There's a lot of first-person accounts of Ram fans down there that, you know, boosters for the SoCal Rams and have been supporters of the team even after they left and couldn't wait to get them back. All the people that are really excited. One guy has his little testimony in a USA Today piece saying how, you know, he'll stand up and get the one, two, three, move those chains and get that chant going. And everybody behind him just looks at him like he has two heads. Yeah. It does not have the environment that you get at a USC game, which is 80,000 strong for pretty much every game. You've got players on both sides of this game that have played for USC or played for Pac-12 schools and played in the Coliseum. And I, everybody overwhelmingly agrees that you do not get the same environment. Well, here's the big X factor that I think you're going to look at coming into this game is, is it about experience or hotness? Right? Well, no, but okay, but I even throw that back in your face because because here's my curiosity. Falcons got the experience, man. They I, know, I, I know what you're saying. Year. Let me let me turn it around on you real quick. Out of all of the teams that made the playoffs uh, last year, how many uh, how many are repeat in the NFC? Oh, I think there's maybe one, right? Yeah, only the Falcons. That's right, the Falcons. But the Falcons also represented the NFC in the Super Bowl and lost last year. That's true. Can you tell me the last time a Super Bowl loser made it back to the Super Bowl? Mm, I'm going to say maybe never. <laughs> okay, I don't know. That's, that's a terrible guess. Well, why not? Because the Bills like made four stat. in a row. <laughs> well, there you go. It's the Bills. It was the Bills. 25 years ago, the final Bills team that made it to their fourth Super Bowl. That was the last time you had a Super Bowl loser repeat. And before that... It was, you had the the Cowboys lost to the Colts, came back the next year, beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins came back the next year and won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. Those are the only three recorded instances of a loser is those Cowboys, well, no, I'm not, those Dolphins. Okay. I'm not talking about a Super Bowl run here. I'm just I understand. talking about this game. I'm saying that I think it's going to be interesting to see somebody like Jared Goff come into the bright lights of a playoff game. Sure. Now, you can try to have Sean McVay's strategy, which... All year, he's been harping on the idea, hey, play in the moment. We're playing for now. We're playing for the momentum. But once you get in that playoff game, it's all or nothing. It is. It is. But you have a team that really failed more miserably than any team ever did with a lead in a Super Bowl. 28-3 with nine minutes left in the third quarter. They're I mean, healthy. Julio Jones back, Devonta Freeman back. I, I get that, but again, they're the last team to make a, get a playoff spot. They're the sixth seed. You've got a long history of teams that 
don't perform well in the playoffs or a lot of them that don't make the playoffs. Because take a look at the, the Carolina Panthers. Played in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Didn't even make the playoffs until now. You've got the the Saints who have been down since their playoff win. You've got a lot of teams that are going in that I think you have uncertainty about. The, the Eagles were the best team all year. They lost their quarterback. Case Keenum was the backup at the end of the year to Jared Goff. And when he started, he wasn't great for Los Angeles. And now he's leading the Vikings. So there's a lot of uncertainty. But the one team that you have to give the stability to is the Falcons. So here's here's another tasty stat you might like. Ooh. Now, you know that give the me Rams... Give a juicy, tasty stat. You know that the Rams against the 49ers, their season-ending game, they pretty much rested all the starters. That's yep. why they lost. You could consider that, let's just say, a bye week. Let's just say it's a it's kind of a gimme bye week, right? Okay, sure. Last time Rams had a bye week this year and then they came off of one, they beat the Giants 51 to 17. Now, I know it's the Giants. Okay. But you beat the Giants make sure that 51 you know. 17. I want to make sure you know that it was the Giants. I know it's the Giants. Okay. Which by the way, the Giants are pretty terrible. They're Not extremely awful. terrible. They're terrible. How many other coaches got fired during the season? Mm. I think one. One other? No, just, I'm sorry. Just, just one. the one. Yes. Well, I think Pagano might have got fired before Ski-doo. last week or something. Ski do. Yeah. What's his face? Yeah, yeah. Or Bob McAdoo. Bill McAdoo. Bain, Dwayne McAdoo. Yeah. Ben McAdoo. Denny McAdoo. Hi, I'm Ben McAdoo here for McAdoo's Ski Doos. You yeah. should come and check out our great selection of new jet skis. I'm telling you, man, there's no way in hell he's coaching again. He's got to go sell jet skis. That's I what he looks like. I think that's his dream. Wow, that, that slick back hair, though. It looks like he's probably selling jewelry out of a coat. It looks like he's selling jet skis, but on the side, once he's closed the deal, he's also yeah. giving you some bumps of blow. He's got a trench coat. He opens it up. There's a lot of gold jewelry mm-hmm. hanging off the inside mm-hmm. of said trench coat. A real Rolex. Yeah, Check it out. It's real. Where'd you get? Don't worry about it. Just uh, that scratch. It's an engrave. Yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a hyphen in uh, the engrave here. Yeah, yeah, that's all. We've got another playoff game today. We've got two more NFL playoff games tomorrow. Blazers big win <laughs> against Ton. the worst team in the league. Ton to get to. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. By the way, Ether apparently was available back then. Oh, there you go. Ether. Is that from the text line? From the text line. Bridgeport Beers text line. Bridgeport Beers text line 55305. It is used primarily for one, well, two things. One is calling us idiots, and the other is correcting us, which is a kind way of calling us idiots. And there's a correction also to Super Bowl back-to-back losers. So the other ones that I mentioned, uh, the Cowboys and the Dolphins, were the only ones who lost a Super Bowl, came back to win a Super Bowl. The Broncos in the 80s and the Vikings in the 70s both lost back-to-back Super Bowls. So that, But still, this is all more than 25 years ago that you had anybody play in a second Super Bowl after losing a Super Bowl. So That almost happened to the Seahawks. God, they barely beat the Broncos. Yeah, that, was, that was a close game. I'll tell you what. Eked that one out, didn't they? If the Broncos would have just completed all those passes. (laughs) The Broncos just would have scored more points. Yeah. If Peyton Manning would have been able to throw past 10 yards. Yeah. Well, speaking of championship games, we are on the fourth year of the true college football champions. You've got a playoff now, and so there is no debate over who your champion is in college football, which... To me, is such a relief because I don't really have a college football team. So what I like is I like kind of what you get in the NFL where, you know, the best team or at least the team that played the best in the big moments 
gets their chance at a championship. And we're getting them this year, and there's no controversy. It's nice. Everybody unanimously agrees that the two best teams are Georgia and Alabama, and uh, they deserve the champion if they win on Monday. I thought you were going to lead into a UCF thing. A what, what now? Because UCF. Who's this? University of Central Florida. What about are them? the real national Oh, explain to me how that makes of sense. The college football season. Congratulations. But they're not but they're not in the college football playoff. Will. Yes, but they No, beat no, Will, Auburn. Will, 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 Will. There's what? a there's a yeah. committee uh-huh. that that takes a look at all the college football teams. Okay. And they decide who the best four teams are. Okay. And they play in uh what's called the college football playoff. Right. And out of outside of those four teams, there are no other teams that uh, have any claim or any right to claim a national championship. Are you trying to tell me a bunch of old, wrinkly white dudes in Condoleezza <laughs> Rice know better than just an undefeated record? Give, give me, give me your defense of this so-called Central Florida. What Central? What? Why would why would they be considered national champions? I don't think that they, and I'll just clarify it. I don't think they really should be national champions. I do love it that they are claiming it. I think it's friggin' awesome. They're throwing great. a parade and they're actually putting a banner up in the stadium and everything. It's, it's really sweet. But I will say what I didn't appreciate was the fact they didn't get a chance to actually play in the playoff. I would have liked to see them go up against Clemson. I think we now know watching the Sugar Bowl that Clemson was completely outmatched from Alabama. And we know that Alabama probably will win the national title. At least that's who I'm picking. You got two teams that are run dominant, D dominant. This usually happens with Alabama. All I'm saying is I don't think they deserve to get into that spot. And I think that you, if you have a UCF team that played, I think two or three ranked opponents during the season, won their conference championship and are undefeated at the end of it. And if that's really what the whole cause of it is, right. Is getting in. If you're undefeated, why not give them a shot? I thought that would have been more exciting than what we watched on Monday. And they Monday could, night. they could not have had a better bowl opponent in to make this claim though. They played SEC, yeah. Well, and they put Auburn's the only team that beat Georgia. They're the only team that beat Alabama. And now you have those two idiots playing for a college football championship. Yeah. And UCF's like, dude, I beat the team. Like, I get the transitive property, and people do this game all the time where they're like, this team beat that team, and that team beat this team, and this team beat that it's team. It's kind of a BCS and, thing. And people will do the six games of separation yeah. and claim a championship that way. But this is direct. Auburn, <clears throat> if Auburn didn't show up for that game and that's why UCF won, then shame on Auburn because what, what bigger moment than playing a non-Power 5 conference, you want to be able to say, hey, we can take a share of that title because we beat both of those teams. It's a big moment for Auburn, and UCF just flat out beat them. They were the better team. What I was waiting for that. It was a that, good game, though. I will say that. It was a good it, game to It watch. was, but but it wasn't, it wasn't a fluke play. It wasn't a Statue of Liberty. As much as I love Boise State winning the Fiesta Bowl, it didn't take trick plays and gimmicks at the end for them to win that game. They were the better team that day. Now, if they played 10 times and would Auburn win seven of them, I don't know. But the, the one shot that they got, when you had to shut up or put up or shut up, uh, UCF did, Auburn didn't. And now here's my big problem with Alabama playing for this championship game is one of the things that college football proponents always like to say is the thing that makes college football so great is that every game matters. Parody. Every every game matters. Listen, if you lose during the regular season, you lose your opportunity. The reason Ohio State's not playing is because they got beat by Iowa. If they'd have beaten Iowa, they had a right to go and play for it. 
The biggest game on your regular season schedule, if you're Alabama, is the Iron Bowl, especially when you go in undefeated and you're playing an Auburn team that just beat Georgia. That game is by by definition of these people that say every game matters in college football, that is a de facto playoff game. Well, guess what? Alabama lost that game. If they're such a great team and they have a right to a national championship, why didn't they win it? And now they get they get backdoored into the college football playoff because the committee almost had to do it. They couldn't put Ohio State in because the Ohio State argument to be in as a two-loss team was lost when Penn State didn't get in and winning the same conference that Ohio State didn't get a chance to play for last year. So the the, the bulk committee, the, the playoff committee, has now put themselves in a spot where precedent has been set that we'd rather have a one-loss team that didn't play for a conference champion. And again, it's Ohio State who's uh, the, the model for there's, that. No, there's no precedent. It's just it's Alabama. Then why? But why didn't they put Ohio State in as because a conference champion? Because it's Alabama. But that last year? The argument yeah. over Penn State was because it's Ohio State. Yeah. That's Again, what it is. That's the it's, precedent. It's the best matchup. I will say this. I was pleasantly and greatly surprised by the Rose Bowl. I really it thought was. the it Rose was Bowl very, was very good be game. either a huge slog or a big blowout. And it was just by far and away one of the greatest college football games I've ever watched. And I think I told you that that was the game that I was hoping for. Because you realize that the deficiency of of Oklahoma's defense was going to set up to make Georgia's offense look great. And the thing was that they looked more poised in those moments. And now you look at Jake Fromm going into the national title game. I have no reason to believe that he can't go out and do the same whoa, thing. Whoa, whoa, now. Now, going into this national title game, the thing that scares me the most is that first half. I think Oklahoma lost this game. I don't think Georgia won it. The first half, Oklahoma looked absolutely unbeatable. There yep. was a point where Baker Mayfield's catching TDs. Yep. But what Georgia did was they adjusted at halftime and pretty much said, look, we're going to pressure Baker Mayfield right up the middle with our tackles, and we're not going to allow him to run on the outside. Plus, we're going to freaking put our coverage down so he can't make quick throws and all those wide receiver screens, they got, I mean, they got snuffed out. Yeah. But, th but that's also because they hadn't seen an offense like Oklahoma that they had to make adjustments. That's yeah. why Oklahoma had the opportunity to jump out is they were a dynamic offense. The difference between that game and the national title game. And you set it up this way. You have two run dominant offenses. You have two run stuffing defenses. So if but those, which one of them is better at that strategy? Well, or what is the big X factor is how good can these quarterbacks play if they need to go and throw the ball? Because you know what? That was the theory it, back it, with the national title in like 20, uh, or I'm sorry, 2009 with LSU and Alabama, right? They were pretty much the same team. And in the end, Alabama did what LSU does better. I think that's what the national title is. It's two teams that do the same thing, but Alabama just does it better. But if you're Georgia, do you really want to go, all right, let's do it. Let's see who's got the better O-line. Let's see who's got the better D-line. We're just going to run into the teeth of their defense until we break one. Or if you're Georgia, do you go out and go, hey, look, our quarterback can make big plays when we need him to. Let's put the trust in this freshman and go out there and do it. Uh, that, I think you have to do it at some point. But that's, that's why it's such a big plan. X factor. I don't. I, that's not your game plan. I, don't I think, think it, your game plan is that you want to do some misdirection stuff to at least get yep. your running backs free because Michelle and Chubb looked friggin' amazing in the Rose Bowl. And you and, know that you get them on the edge planning for and you get them on the edge in the passing game. That makes a big difference, too. So, listen, I don't know what the plan is going to be with Kirby Smart, but I think that you can open up your playbook a little bit more knowing that your true freshman quarterback isn't scared of the moment. And if Jalen Hurts gets put in the same situation where he has to go out and throw the ball, I know everybody points to him not making mistakes. 
but he had 15 touchdown passes on the year, one interception. He does not throw the ball very often. And he looked bad in that Clemson game. He didn't look great. I mean, really, the defense was what kind of carried Alabama. I mean, I think it was was 10-6 at halftime. And then it, Alabama scored two defensive touchdowns. It, let's let's say they do what you think they may do, which is just all right. Who's got the better better lines on either side of the who's ball? Got the bigger guns. Okay. If I told you right now that the team that won made three big plays in the passing game, okay, all game, which team is it? The team that won. Yeah, the team. The, the, re, the reason the reason the team that won did is because they made three big plays in the passing game. I think I'm definitely taking Alabama. Do you really? Okay. Yeah, because Alabama. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian as much kind of crap as he gets for his play calling uh, he's a master at play action which is basically his entire offensive scheme developed when he was at usc with Pete carroll which was what Pete carroll used to do at least that in seattle now i don't know what the yeah but his talent his is. talent was a lot better than the people he played true. versus seattle which is a little um, more even but i mean that's pretty much what alabama's offense is predicated on is run 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 play action over the top just Keep your eye on Calvin Ridley the whole game. He's the one weapon that Jalen Hurts will throw the ball Pretty to. Pretty much. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see what happens. But I think it's it should be a good game. Uh, but my national championship T-shirt that I will wear will say UCF on it. <laughs> Great. No. Well, hey, that's your college now. You said you didn't have a team. No, but their coach is leaving. I'm not going to root for Nebraska. I like Scott Frost as the head coach of UCF, but he can't stay. He has to go. He must move on. By the by the way, did you know that uh, Jake Fromm uh, played in the Little League World Series? No, but I always do like finding that out about players uh, when you see like a guy playing in the World Series and you're like, you played in the Little League World Series. I think that's great. ESPN just shoved that down your throat watching the game. Ah, Like every break coming back was like, it was like clips of him when he was 13, like hitting the ball. I was like, I don't care about that. I you really don't? don't? Oh, come on. I want to know about what Baker else Mayfield. F- what else are you going to fill the breaks with? I want to see Baker Mayfield's party pictures. <laughs> like I'm for, sure they're out there. Lucky for me, I had it on the TV. I was only watching the games. Apparently, because like you said, the Oklahoma had a big lead in the first half. And oh, yeah. I did not get caught up in all the uh, the fluff pieces that uh, ESPN likes to put I out. I wanted to see like... Uh, I, I thought it was actually pretty good how Mayfield handled himself after the game. Crying? Well, sobbing it's better than being a huge a-hole because that's what he is most of the time yeah Which but you, I, I don't want to leave any mystery to this i love it that he's an a-hole i've told you before if i could have any guy be the quarterback of my varsity high school football team <laughs> it's baker mayfield if you if you were drafting a flag football team right now and you could take any quarterback to go out and talk trash and intramurals yeah yeah hey change that to a uh ultimate frisbee team <laughs> I'm definitely taking Baker Mayfield looks like the greatest ultimate Frisbee player ever. Yeah. He looks like he could be pretty With awesome. The bandana, the scraggly teeth, the beard. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Well, anyways, as I was saying, the reason I will not be a UCF fan is because Scott Frost is leaving. Now, had they offered him a 10 year, $100 million contract. Now that's something that I can get behind because you know that a coach that gets that offer is going to be there for a while because that coach could never get on somebody's nerves. Could he? he John, could. John Gruden to the Raiders. We'll get to that. Oh, we've got our poll uh, on uh, Twitter, at Center Saint 1080. We want to know if you were starting an NFL franchise, who would you take? Go on, check that out. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show as well. But right now, we got to go to the news. One of the fun things about the Bridgeport Beers text line is you kind of get alternate storylines. So it continues talking about things that we stopped talking about or maybe mentioned in passing. 
So share your favorite stories about ether on the Bridgeport Beers text line. That's one of the threads we have going on. The other is your favorite Barry Pepper movie. Apparently he was, what baseball player was he? Roger Maris. 61. Roger Maris, great. Yeah. He had a promising career until Battlefield Earth, but had to move on from it. Speaking of promising careers, <clears throat> John Gruden had a promising broadcasting career going until he decided to throw it all away for a measly $100 million. $100 million. One, 10 years. $100 million to coach the Raiders for 10 I want years. to see what that buyout clause is, though. So do I. I There's got to be something in it because that dude can't just... I mean, I know that there's guarantees on every single contract, but I want to see how his lawyers kind of kind of dressed up that contract to make it so like after three years, if it's a disaster, he can still get a big payday. Oh, speaking of uh, incentives and just to tag on to the UCF story we we're talking about, the school is going to pay national championship uh, bonuses to all of its coaches. It's tight. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so you've got John Gruden... Have you ever talked with Souk about his time with the Buccaneers and John Gruden? Uh, no. Okay. So I've had the opportunity to fill in for Isaac a few times, and we got onto this conversation because John Gruden and the Super Bowl champion uh, Buccaneers were celebrating their 15th anniversary. So we were actually in here on a Monday night game, and we saw the Buccaneers parading across all their great players. And he said that one thing about John Gruden, as great of a coach he is, as he is, he just begins to wear thin on people. His style and the way he talks to players tends to wear thin, and that's part of the reason that he was fired from the Buccaneers to begin with. And shortly after that, we started to hear rumors that Dirk Cutter was going to leave and the Buccaneers were going to bring him back, which left me scratching my head a little bit going, if you know how this guy is, you know you're only going to get so many years with it. So is it worth kind of bringing him back to the same franchise they let go? Then he ends up, the rumors switch, the wind changes. He goes back to the Raiders, the team that traded him away so that he could beat them in the Super Bowl. They bring him back, and if he truly is a guy that wears thin, why would, on earth would you sign him to a 10-year contract? Because you're going to Las Vegas, and you want to set up something that not only will make your team entertaining when they make the big move, but also kind of an apology to your fans. I think this is as more of anything as a we're sorry to Raider fans in Oakland than anything else. It's saying, look, we're moving. You're pissed about it. We get it. We're going to bring John Gruden back. The guy that you, you loved. The, everybody loves him. All the fans love him. We're going to bring him back for one more season with a roster that a monkey could coach into the playoffs. Well... Uh, dude, the that's talent a Del on that Re That's a Del Rio slam, I believe, right there. It is a Del Rio slam. Not. No, dude, Del Rio had so many great defenses at Jacksonville, but like for some reason couldn't figure out that if you yeah. put David Garrard on the field, you won't win. So I, I think this is more of a... I, I know John Gruden is not an extremely great coach, at least going what would by it, record. What would it sound like to be coached by John Gruden? What would it sound like? Yeah, like... Do you want to hear it? Yeah, if you can. Are you going to set this up better? No. Do you need me to set it up better? So this is from NFL's mic'd up from the Buccaneers training camp. And I want to say this is back maybe his first or second year. And this was with Chris Sims' kid, right? No, Chris Sims is the kid. Chris Phil, Sims is Phil the kid. Phil Sims' kid. Yeah, this Chris is Phil Sims', Sims played kid. quarterback. So it's Chris Sims. Take a listen to how Gruden calls this play, which, by the way, this is one of the things people hate about Gruden, Oof. his playbook. 
All right, here is them in camp. Let's go green, right, X. Shift the Viper right. Green, right, X. Green, right, X. Shift the Viper right. 382 X stick looky. Here we go, guys. Green, right, X. Shift the Viper right. 382 Y stick looky on one. X stick looky on one. Let's go scatter to west, right, tight. F left. 372 Y stick Z spot. Here we go. Scatter to west, right, tight. F left. 382 Y stick. Uh, panic attack. Christ. Just go scatter to west, right, tight. F left. Yeah. 372 Y stick Z spot. Here we go. Scatter. Say it again. I'm... Scatter yeah. to west, right, tight. F left. 372 Y stick Z spot. Here we go. Scatter to west, right, tight. Scatter to west, right, tight. F left. 382. 372. 372. Y stick Z spot. Z spot. I don't want to Christ. <laughs> I, dude, that, that I guy's going to connect that. with today's players. I can't follow that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What was the play call? As a pass. <laughs> I think it might have been a run. No, 372 is uh, it's uh, the passing tree. It's the numbers. The, well, numbers numbers for a passing tree can also mean a run. No, 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 no. I mean, that you could be calling two plays there where you have a run uh, pass option where you can call the audible of the line. That's pass. The Y stick. I don't know. The Y stick is a reference to Madden. All right. I imagine. The hit stick. What's that? The hit stick. The hit stick. Yeah, it's a Y stick. I think that you make this move because not only kind of appealing to fans, but also who the hell else do you hire? I don't know, but it's a marketing plan that costs you... 10 years and a hundred million dollars. I mean, I know John Gruden comes up as a popular name, but I mean, this to me, it's but just, you're going to get the money back. You're moving to Vegas where apparently at least all these financial experts have projected. This is going to be a huge cash grab. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. If you play against the Raiders, let's say you're a non-conference opponent, Minnesota Vikings, you play there once every eight years, sure. right? Yeah. Dude, when they play there, no matter how good, bad, or other the Raiders are, that place is going to be half purple. You know what I mean? Like, those road games when you get to go and to, to Las Vegas in November, and you haven't been in a while, and you're like, all right, it's a party weekend, dude. I went to uh, New Orleans right before uh, the Falcons played against the Saints, and they're a division opponent. They play all the time. We went to Bourbon Street the first night we got there, and it was red and black, and there was not a person that wasn't wearing something that was Falcons other than me and my wife. It was insane. I worry about how consistent of a fan base that they'll get in Vegas. Well, yeah, the home fans, I, I don't trust necessarily. Yeah, because you know that there'll be people that'll actually go to the game, but it'll be kind of like a Miami Heat thing where it's finicky, where like people don't really show up until maybe like, Second half or something. Well, I lived in Las Vegas for five years and bartended there. And I, I'd always ask people, who's your team? And 90% of the time, the answer is, what's the line? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. That's Vegas. That's Vegas. And if you become a fan and you start rooting for your hometown team and you let that influence how much money you're going to win at the sports book, that ain't good for business. Christ. <laughs> All right. Blazers. Got to get to the big win for the Blazers. We've got a lot more NFL playoff games. Bill Belichick hates Tom Brady, and Tom Brady hates Bill Belichick. The whole castle is crumbling. We'll get to that in hour two, but next, good versus evil. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan.
Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the... What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. Let the sinner and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil. Brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants. 808 on 1080 The Fan. Dick Tomey, in his heyday, really built that program playing elite defense and recruiting to that and kind of a ground-and-pound system. Rich Rod you know, had some flair. We got to a, a New Year's Six Bowl by, by running it and spreading it and doing all of that. That was Brock Lesnar impersonator and ESPN commentator Brock Heward. He's talking about how former Arizona head football coach Rich Rodriguez was able to get away with allegedly creating a threatening work environment for female employees. Actually, that's not what he was talking about. He's talking about the spread offense, but it works either way. <laughs> Arizona fired the coach this past week for the allegations, even though none of the accusations could be substantiated per lawyer talk. Now Richrod is suing the school back for wrongful termination. He led Arizona to five bowl appearances, including a Fiesta Bowl, and won the 2014 Pac-12 Coach of the Year Award, AP Coach of the Year Award. Who do you see Arizona hiring next? Well, uh, I always hate to try to guess on these things because of rumor mills going around, but who are the best coaches that are sitting out there available? Kevin Jim Sum- What? Kevin Sumlin? Oh. Uh, you know, you have... That might right, not be a bad spot for someone. Well, here, here's the reason I bring that up is because we've already been through the coaching carousel, right? Anybody that was looking for a job has it. Uh, but Kevin Sumlin's one of those guys that's still out there. You have uh, Les Miles is still sitting out there. Arizona was paying a lot of money to Rich Rod, and they structured it a very incentive-laden, and he got he got shares, and he got this, and he got that, and it was a very beneficial contract for Rich Rod, and if they're going to do the same thing and go out and get a coach with experience, I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see one of these big names that's sitting out there going, yeah, I'd like to coach again. They'll probably bring him, help, bring him in, but I kind of hope that they bring in somebody like Herm Edwards. I don't know who the next equivalent is, that Denny Erickson or something. And to Coach Helton, I cannot thank you enough for believing in a kid from San Clemente High School with such little game tape and for giving me the opportunity and chance to start at such an incredible university. Together, I believe we have set a championship culture that will do great things in the future. That was a man that looks like he's always smelling a fart, Sam Darnold. He was issuing his farewell to Trojan fans after declaring for the NFL draft this past week. He was joined by UCLA's Josh Rosen and Louisville's Lamar Jackson in a loaded 2018 draft class. That proves to be pretty exciting, I think. Darnold leaves after winning a Rose Bowl, but regressing in his final season. Rosen leaves an underwhelming team and Chip Kelly, while Lamar Jackson leaves with a Heisman Trophy and a bunch of ACC records. Who do you see doing the best or having the longest career span in the NFL out of these three guys? Well, I'm not sure that I see all of them being or any of them being NFL greats. Any of them winning rookie of the year, you think? Honestly, I might give that to Lamar Jackson if you're going to give it to one guy, but I think he'll probably have the shortest career. I think he's one of those guys that I, I'm i not sure that he has much more than just his athleticism to go on. I'd like to be proven wrong by him because he's very exciting to watch, but I don't know that he's a good enough quarterback to, to play in the NFL, but you put him in there, he's going to do some exciting things. Even Johnny Manziel had moments before he, you know, 
his personal life ruined his NFL career. Okay. Uh, Rosen is the guy I think that has the I don't know most NFL ready. Uh, uh, style of, of quarterbacking, but he'll probably end up on the worst team, which is going to you know set him back. I think Darnold is the most willing to take chances and the most willing, most likely to have a great NFL career. But I think he'll have a slow start. Brian, what ahead. was the emotion like in the locker room for you guys? Is there confusion? Is are you guys upset? How do you feel? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, you know, guys were emotional. Uh, you know, tears were tears were shed, and, and guys were upset and. It was hard to understand why this was happening at the time. That was former Oregon State running back Ryan Nall addressing the media after his depressed former coach quit on the team. He'll be following in suit, announcing his eligibility for the NFL draft. Nall finishes his career on an underwhelming note, never making a bowl game, but also playing a big role during a Civil War victory. Nall also leaves the school as OSU's eighth leading rusher. What position do you realistically see him playing in the league, given he actually lasts? Do they still have fullbacks in the NFL? I mean, they do. I, he could be an H-back. Yeah. He originally played tight end. Yeah, that's kind of where I see him sitting in there somewhere. And I, I don't know if he's big enough to play tight end in the NFL because uh, you see the size of some of those guys. It's a, a lot of 6'6", 6'5", 6'6", at tight end. I think he's around 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. No, I mean, again, you, you don't know. But uh, if H-back, if, uh, if he gets in the right system, I think he can be effective. But I don't think he's going to be, you know, a big NFL talent. Big NFL talent. You know what I mean? Like he's, I wonder where he's going to be drafted. I'm curious what they told him in his draft analysis because that's one thing I haven't seen. All right, time for my favorite story of the week. And this one actually stays in the NFL. Before their wild card matchup with the Bills, the Jaguars tweeted out a special ticket offer saying, quote, a limited amount of unused tickets will go on sale to the general public tomorrow at 3 p.m. This includes unused inventory from groups like the NFL, Bills, players, families, and internal holds. Bills, they mean the Buffalo Bills. In response, the Bills tweeted out, wait, 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 unused tickets from the Bills? Fake news. We didn't return any tickets. In fact, the next time you need help with a sellout, we'll take more. <laughs> Which, by the way, Jacksonville is famous for never filling their stadium ever. Yeah, they're one of the teams that was uh, right on dancing on the border with a blackout rule along with the Cincinnati Bengals and San Diego Chargers. They had to put a friggin' swimming pool in their stadium <sighs> to get people to go. Yeah. Well, listen, the Jags are for real. They're the Jags. They're for real the Jags. They are jagging <laughs> jagging up their first uh, playoff opportunity in a decade. And the Jags are for sure the Jags. They 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 are, and they still have the worst helmets in the history of the NFL. I would disagree. I kind of am starting to get get it with the copper back. Whatever the hell it is. It's a it's copper, right? Or gold. Gold. Something. Even even if they wanted to do that, the fade needs to be longer across the helmet. It's bad. The Jags and the Titans to me have if the they most had just that black mat, football uniforms. Who's that? The Jags and the Titans. Titans I'm okay with. Kind of arena leaguey. They are a little arena leaguey. I'm not I'm not in love with their logo, but their their uniforms from a distance at least work a little bit. They held on to some of the Oilers colors, so I'm kind of okay with that. Adding the dark blue didn't hurt, but their logo could could use some work. Yeah, that I would totally agree with. All right. Well, you guys, you guys are probably pretty excited. Uh, you guys are probably pretty excited for hour two. I'm guessing. Do you know why you're excited for hour two? What's that? No, I'm asking. Do you know? I know. No. Oh. What? Because we're going to talk more Bills Jags. That's why we got the AFC playoff uh, Jags Bills matchup. We've got the other NFC matchup with is the Panthers and the Saints. We still haven't gotten to the Chiefs 
and the Titans, Chiefs, and the... You had to search for that one. They playing Titans? It's the Chiefs and the uh, that Marcus Mariota team. And the Titans yeah. fell backwards into the playoffs. Oh, God, DeMarco Murray's hurt. I know, he's, he's not, not going to play. A whole lot uh, going on there. Is that going to be a matchup? We'll is discuss it next. You're listening to The Center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Huh? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 